The following podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and the rise of the far right. New South Wales has now recorded more than 50,000 coronavirus cases since this wave began. But the curve is improving. There have been chaotic scenes once again in Melbourne. For a third day in a row, protesters have defied police and gathered in the city. Aftershocks could shake Victoria for weeks to come after a record-breaking earthquake rocked the state this morning. President Biden is asking world leaders to pledge to vaccinate 70% of the world's population against COVID-19. In Spokane, Washington, multi-care Deaconess Hospital is turning down more than half of patient transfer requests from other states because there's not enough room. The state government expects demand for intensive care to peak next month. The hospital system is already under strain. It's been another long and difficult day in the Victorian capital. Yesterday, thousands marched. Today, it was hundreds and ended in a standoff at the Shrine of Remembrance. So after an hours long standoff and three days of running battles, police finally moved in. They're not there to protest, they're there for a fight. Investigations are underway into a major coronavirus outbreak at Liverpool Hospital. A magnitude 5.9 quake taking a wall to the ground at Betty's Burgers on Chapel Street. During a virtual meeting, he said that the uh, US would buy an additional 500 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine to donate to less wealthy countries. Oh, it's, this was a really tough week. I'm finishing the end of seven days in the ICU and I will tell you, it's an emotional roller coaster. Day three of the Melbourne protests began early at the heavily fortified and damaged headquarters of the Construction, Forestry, Mining and Energy Union. If not, this could pose real trouble for not only this hospital but the system, which is already under pressure. Let them shoot us on hollow ground! Let them shoot us on hollow ground! But the latest research shows that richer nations still have a surplus of vaccines, some of which will soon be out of date. To help, the government is enlisting retired healthcare workers to bolster the workforce. If the disease spreads in Africa and in low-income countries, and if it mutates and there are new variants, it's going to come back to haunt even the fully vaccinated here. Nobody's safe until everybody's safe. Hello and welcome to the ISOcast, your favourite isolation advice podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen. Well, fuck you guys, it's been a crazy ass week this week. There was a 5.8 magnitude earthquake that rocked the eastern seaboard of Australia. And phenomenally, Scotty from marketing was on holiday during a national disaster again. That's two from two. He's got talent, that bloke. COVID cases are trending down for the first time in Sydney in quite a long while as we prepare to open up. Meanwhile, they're spiking in Melbourne just as the earth shakes beneath them and the city sees its third consecutive day of protests. Now, these these protests were sparked by the Victorian government's decision to announce a vaccine mandate for construction workers. There's been a huge amount of spread of COVID on construction sites and Dan Andrews and his team reckons that the best way to get people back to work safely is either you get jabbed or you find a new gig. Harsh but fair. The protests started outside the union offices and I get that. Workers not feeling represented by the union, that's worth protesting, totally. But these things got huge and then the fascists moved in. Far-right groups have tagged on, infiltrated and co-opted protests around Australia and around the globe. Predictably, the shit here got violent. This isn't the first time this has happened as well. 
If you're a regular listener of this show, you'll know how much the rise of the far right online has been concerning to me, and I'm not the only one. Joining me on the pod today is Simon Thompson. Simon's an actor, a playwright, and a producer who shares my concern for the rise of fascism in Australia and around the globe. He's also a hilarious dude, bloody opinionated and super clever. Here's our chat from this afternoon. Hi! Hey, buddy, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm awake. I'm definitely awake. <laughs> Simon, are you starting this podcast by lying to my handsome face? Look. <laughs> Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> it's not usually in my nature. Um, You're a very truthful person the vast majority of the time. You've got me. <laughs> you caught me out. Uh, how are you, bud? How have you been coping in this lockdown life? I'm pretty good. Uh, I think, uh, like, sleep has actually been a bit of a difficult thing lately. Yeah. But I hear you, man. I've been sleeping like absolute crap. Okay. What's been keeping you up? Um, it's not It's not so much keeping me up. Uh, it's um, stuff in the morning, like, jerking me out of the, of the sleep. Um, <laughs> I've mainly, like... That nearly sounded Monday. really bad, bro. That was so close. You were like... <laughs> or was it really right? It was it really, right. really right. It was really right. It was really I'd be, right. I'd, I'd be happy for it, but it's um, I've got I've got leaf blowers that come Monday and Friday morning, twice a week. You got to be kidding me! And no, they 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 come every, on those days promptly, and they um, they come right up to my window. I'm in a sort of like I'm in sort of like a, a weird gated community sort of apartment complex. Oh yeah. Um. And they they make sure those paths are leaf free. <laughs> uh, at, at what cost? So at what cost? It's it's you know, and this is an extension. This is an exaggeration, which we've all come to expect from me. But it's a little bit Guantanamo, isn't it? Being stuck in your house, not being able to go anywhere. People playing loud industrial sounds in the middle middle of the night. You know, it doesn't help that my my night my night pajamas are a sort of an orange jumpsuit either. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I always did think that was weird. So I, I've I've thought for a long time yeah. that you should probably look to change that up. But listen, you got to do you, man. You got to do the things in your life that make you happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I enjoy the pain. Um, I don't know what it is, mate. Like, I've been having a similar thing. I've been finding like every mm. morning at six a.m. like on the dot, I'm waking up, mm. and I, I can't work out why that would be. It's not like I've got anything to do, you know, like realistically, my biggest job today was trying to find a good piece of theme music for this podcast uh, and to write some Dungeons and Dragons for my for my game tonight. So um, mm. not exactly massively under pressure, but I am awake at 6am and I'm struggling to go to bed before, before midnight. I don't know what that's all about. I mean, I, I wonder about like, I wonder about September and spring a lot. Okay. Um, and I and I think about the human, you know, human. I guess natural cycle. Do uh, do we revert to sort of caveman instincts <laughs> in September um, or hunter gatherer? I don't want to be politically incorrect. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, and we start. You know, I think you know people's estrogen and estrogen testosterone levels all seem to go through the roof, and everyone's a lot crazier, and everyone's 
might be getting up earlier to, to I don't know. Um, I, I just wonder because all the other animals, you know, get busy during this time. True. Because all their chemicals are going. Yeah. And I wonder, like, do, does that affect humans in September? We seem to do a lot of crazy things in this month. Um, crazy things are happening right now. And I just wonder about it. Which so brings me to my 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 one of my key reasons that I wanted to have a chat to you today, which is um, the Nazis. Sai, the Nazis, the mm. big, the Nazi-related yeah. problems that we're having. I can't. I've got too much to do. Listen, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So, um, it's so all coming. They they are, you know, and and it's got me. It's got my hackles up, dude. It's got my hackles. Right the fuck up. Um, what have you made out of this whole Melbourne situation? What's your What's your take? I think you know because everyone's got an opinion. Um, I'm I haven't been to Melbourne in a very long time, and I don't really know what what's really happening on the ground there. But there's definitely obviously a discontent. Um, Melbourne does seem to attract sort of the extremes of of a lot of different. Uh, I guess motivated causes mm. um, and where, where places like Sydney and Brisbane don't seem to so much, um, which is interesting, but there's obviously, yeah, there are people who are, who are feeling discontent. Um, and I think that, that there are, there are right wing movements who have their hooks into these people and are sort of motivating them in ways that I guess aren't aren't actually great for their health. It's yeah. one of those, you know, being pushed to do something that's actually not to your benefit because based on their actions now that they actually have lost um, the construction industry for two weeks. Yeah. And I go, oh, is that what you wanted out of all this? Well, I don't think it's what the tradies and the people that were protesting the union who, who started this thing wanted. Like, what's become clear to me, Cy, and, uh, you know, I could be well be talking completely out of my ass here, but, you know, run with me. What's become clear to me is that COVID's put a real clear class divide into our cities, particularly. Like, if you are able to work from home and you're able to stay home, it's a lot easier, like me, for example... Um, it's a lot easier to sit here and be like, well, fuck, stay home, don't go anywhere, don't go out and fucking work. But if you work in construction and that's your only way of making a buck and you're not eligible for one of the payments for any number of reasons, or you just don't want to go through the rigmarole of doing it, you just want to go and work, mm-hmm. like, it, you could see how that would make you fucking pissed. And then you get, like, far-right, activists online particularly have been really great at like getting people alienated from shit like if there's some frustration that you can't go to work and you're spending a lot of time doom scrolling you know there's a lot of there's a lot of ways for like activists to fucking hook you into some anti-vax shit or to hook you into some anti-authority stuff or like hook you into some conspiracy stuff and it all ends up tailing back to white nationalism and like that, it's been incredibly effective and it's incredibly frightening to me, to my noodle. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it is. 
it is terrifying. Um, and I mean, these people have been active in this sphere for quite a while, even before COVID. And as you say, all those reasons COVID has, has helped things along because there are people who are now disenfranchised um, and, you know, their, their income has been, has been affected. Their, their way of life has been affected. Um, and as, as is always, the far right use, use an other to, to sort of corral people. Um, in this situation, you know, there is, there is no immigration at the moment. There are no migrants coming in. So now it's the vaccinated uh, and the unions. And the unions have always been a, a wonderful target of the far right ever since their inception. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the good thing is the vaccinated, you know, are starting to, you know, outweigh the unvaccinated. Um, but that, that is becoming a divide. And, and as you said, it is becoming a, a class divide um, because certain electorates, I mean LGAs, um, are, have far better access to vaccinations than others yeah. um, and are far better are given, well, they're not, they're not being, you know, corralled into, into their suburbs and kept in their homes like others. Um, and, you know, you can, you can justify that by the amount of cases in certain areas versus others, but then there were electorates at the beginning of the situation that, you know, caused the problem who didn't have any real restrictions placed on them. I mean, I think... Um, I'm just out. talking Sydney. Yeah, completely, yeah. and say that Bondi's a fuck and we should um, just put some landmines in the turf and, and blow it off and, and, you know, have the beach be coming around about where the domain is. Let's just cut off the eastern suburbs. I, I'm well, prepared I, to lose all my eastern suburbs listeners. I'm prepared to lose them. Well, I, you'd cause a diplomatic incident between the UK <laughs> um, if, if you did that. You know, that's... That would be... You know, that's that's essentially that's essentially part of still part of the the, the empire. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely um, right. It's effectively so, little Britain over there, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So that you would cause a diplomatic incident. I, um, I, I forgot to mention that I did a little. I done my intro this morning before I chatted to you, mate. And like I was, yeah. I put in there about the the earthquake and the protests and you know the spike in COVID numbers in the states and you know Joe Biden calling for um, the c- countries to contribute more to the global COVID vaccination, but I forgot that we caused an international incident because of submarines this week as yes. well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. President Biden has announced a deal with Great Britain to supply Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. It's a clear pushback against China in the Pacific, but France is furious. That's because the Australian government cancelled a multi-billion dollar contract for French submarines. And opted instead for American nuclear subs. The French government accusing the U.S. of stabbing it in the back. The New York Times reports the French embassy's already canceled a gala scheduled for tomorrow night. It was supposed to celebrate... We've, we've been the on the blow to Bojo and Bidey, and we've, we've, we've routed the French as they used to. <laughs> um, Take that, it's like Bastille Day all over again. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. We've, we've, we've squandered it, we've managed to, yes, we've... Brilliantly managed to squander, you know, one one allegiance. Yeah. To, to, um, Some might say, Simon, that we stormed the barricades. Um, mm. We've 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 stormed the barricades of French submarine building, and and Macron apparently still isn't taking 
ScoMo's calls, um, which he's making from being on holiday once again, again, brilliantly. Like, I feel like every time ScoMo goes on holiday, he should send the country a memo so we can all, like, go into the fallout shelters because every single time he goes away, something fucking catastrophic occurs. Yes. Yeah, yes, he is a bit of a, a lightning rod for, well, he's the opposite of a lightning rod. He's a canary in the coal mine. He's Yes, yeah. <laughs> The country becomes a lightning rod. The country's the lightning rod, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, yeah. He's, he's offshore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. What about you, man? Like, how are you making some dollars in this situation? How are you keeping your head above water? Are you keeping your head above water? How are you personally tracking in the midst of all of this? Well, you know, as as everyone else, I lost all my... I had, I, I had one show that I was going to be in and then... I had one show that I had written that was going to be put on, uh, and they both they dif- disappeared into ether. Uh, but they'll come back. As uh, but I financially, I guess, have been sound because I work at a pharmacy, and for for all lockdowns, I haven't ceased I haven't ceased working. Oh, that's in, great, dude. Yeah. It must also be kind of scary and weird working in a pharmacy, though. That's some real frontline shit. It is. It is. And they sort of, but they're not sort of considered, you know, I guess in terms of vaccination things, they weren't really considered the frontline. You, you are on, on, on the coalface because, you know, you've got situations where people who don't know if they're, they're COVID positive, but they, you know, They've, they've, they've gone and had a test that day, but they've also decided that they need some cold and flu medication. So they come in on that same day. <laughs> Shit. And you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's understandable, you know, they've yeah, got I these symptoms. It. They want to get rid of the symptoms. Yeah. Um, but they're also imperiling everyone around them. Yeah, I don't know if we need some kind of, like, door dash for cold and flu med situation, you know? Well, I mean, that's that's sort of really taken off. Um, I think DoorDash are one of our, our biggest clients. Really? Um, right now, yeah, everyone's... I think they did, like, a, a thing where you could get free delivery two months, um, and everyone has, has jumped on that. So our click-and-collect services... I guess going gangbusters because everyone everyone doesn't want to come in and and maybe rightly so and they're they're getting free delivery of the drugs. Yeah, wow. Well. Um, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. If you've got COVID symptoms and you're sitting or on your way to a pharmacy, go home and get them from DoorDash so you don't ruin Simon's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's so great, man. I'm glad you managed to keep your gig. That that does sound a bit on the on the scary side, though. I've got to say that it must be a mix of being really boring and then really kind of threatening in a way. Oh yeah, it's wild because everyone is anxious and on edge, and you know, people didn't treat. I mean, customers didn't treat um, staff very well at any point in time. Really, um, and, and so now, but now everyone's super anxious and just sort of like, and then you've got you've got to you've got to tell them because you're the man, you're you're the hired authority. You've got to tell them to put on their masks. You've got to tell them to sign in. Um, How has that gone, and, bud? Have you got much resistance? Uh, oh yeah, you do. You you know you get people 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 
<laughs> you tell them to sign in or put on a mask, they, they, they march right out, they swear at you. Um, it's, it's, it's hard. And you start to go like, well, yeah, people are, are angry. I don't, and I, I think because no one's been inconvenienced like this for what, 70, 70 years, yeah, um, you know, that, that we're, we're not used to being inconvenienced in such a way. And so we're, we feel oppressed. We feel very <laughs> oppressed. Um, having, you know, not actually lived in a country that actually is oppressive. Yeah. It's been, it's been pretty remarkable to see the compa- like, if you go into certain sections of the internet, you would firmly come into the belief that Dan Andrews is Pol Pot. And if you've ever been mm. to Cambodia, you know how far away Dan Andrews is from Pol Pot. Like, honestly, the... Oh, yeah. You know, I've I've been in countries adjacent where, you know, it's, it's illegal to spit. Yeah. You, you can go to jail for spitting. Um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a great habit, but it's... Not one that you would have thought, oh, like, my, I'm going to spend time behind bars doing so. For hawking a loogie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's significantly removed from that. But, I mean, I think this is now coming into existential dread, so, I, so let's get into that. My friend, on a scale from... This is my first segment of the show, Si. Um, on a scale from 1 to 10, with 1 being happy-go-lucky skipping through the daisies and 10 being curled up on the floor foaming from the mouth, how's your existential dread, my dude? Like today? Today, yeah. Um, today is pretty good, so probably... I think, actually, I'm pro- probably a 7 today. A 7? Okay. What's yeah, pushing you to a yeah. 7, Si? Well, I think yesterday, you know, I got news that the, the shows, you know, are all going to go back on. Oh, that's good. Just got to, just got to choose dates for them. Um, Congratulations, and, man! That's awesome. Oh, thank you. You know, it's sort of, it's a weird, yeah, it's, that's strange, strange thing. It's like the show's not on anymore. It'll be on some point. Now it's going to be on again. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. You know, there there are positive things on the horizon. Um, you know, I think I think when my existential dread is at its worst is 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 just before bed, mm. and then things go real south. The mind starts um, yelling at you for having not accomplished stuff or not being in a certain place in your life, mm. um, and you're like, "Shut up, mind!" <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> That's a very forceful statement, Sonny. That forceful. Well, it's difficult. It's a, the mind is a very, very persuasive arguer. Oh, and isn't it? It's a it 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 yeah. It puts, so yeah, it's kind of lying there at night, eyes eyes awake, going, "Oh my god, my life. <laughs> what has become? Is this what I? Is this what I dreamed? Is this what I planned?" But then during the day, you're kind of like, well, this is the reality. Deal with it. Mm. Is there anything you do at night, Si, that sort of pulls that existential dread down or, or helps you get around it or over it? I have a book that I read it a little page from every night that is Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
this specific one is for men, but I, I don't think, I mean, there's a whole series of them that I think the guy writes with his wife. And so she, I think she does a, don't with the small stuff for women, but I, I, I don't think it's, the advice is not really that gendered. Sure, sure, sure. Um, really at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, there, there's stuff that's kind of go like, oh yeah, you know, everyone is going through this. Well, the, the book wasn't, the book was written in, I think in the nineties, um, but it, it still applies to right now. Um, and then after that, I do a little, I, I have a listen to a, um, a, like a YouTube meditation night sleep meditation oh okay great great who are you yeah. who are you listening to on youtube that's been rocking your boat uh i never i never sway away from the honest guys during this meditation we will focus on being mindful finding that point where you are completely aware of the now oh, okay yeah i haven't heard of them so they've just so yeah, they're just called the honest guys. Um, they have very deep, resonant voices. Mm, love that. Um, which are very soothing. Um, but they, yeah, they they do all sorts of different meditations. Um, but the night ones are usually like there's a series where that sort of they take you on a journey on your, and you're on a train, and you hear the train sound, um, which is very soothing for some reason. Um, <laughs> um. <laughs> You know what, man? It's it's funny, hey? Like, in the last, like, three months or so, three to six months, I've got really into ASMR, and I didn't think mm-hmm. ASMR would be a thing that rocks my boat. But when I'm in that same spot of lying in bed staring at the ceiling or, like, my brain just yelling random stuff at me, I also find, and I'm not sure if this happens to you, but my brain gets hooked on, like, one song lyric, and it would just do one song lyric at me, over and over and over again for what can seem like forever. And it's this like, it's this real fucking mind torture. And bizarrely, GB ASMR gets me completely out of it. She's like this 20-year-old American lady with these incredibly high-powered microphones, and she just taps on things and puts brushes next to her microphones and brushes them and does, like, little finger movements near mics. And you think, ah, that that doesn't sound particularly soothing. It is hog-wild soothing. It is insane, the good stuff that it does to my noodle. I... I'm com- I'm a complete ASMR convert. I didn't think I would ever would be, but here I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's all about frequencies and stuff. I don't, because I, you know, I always just imagined. I mean, essentially, that you know, some of the guys' voices are very ASMR. I guess in their quality, because their mics are so good. But for the longest time, I always thought ASMR was just sort of. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, what is what is that? Is that soothing? I don't know, um, but apparently it is. Um, yeah, man, it's it's a real freaking vibe. So I'm telling you, it's it's a hell of a thing. I'm glad to hear that the these guys have been so good for you, though, man. I, it's you know, there's so many bad points about YouTube and about social media, but 
um, one of the art points is random stuff like that where you can just find an account that um, can really fucking chill your brain out. That's bloody sensational, dude. I love that for you. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, um, what else has been lifting your existential dread, Si, and what's been helping you bring it down? Uh, I have been writing a lot. Oh. Yeah. I've, I've just finished just finished a new play. Get out of here. Uh, yeah, did it. That's awesome, Si. Is there a role for me? Absolutely. Yes, that's the correct response. Actually, actually. Actually, I think there, there probably definitely is a role for you. Oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> Here's me just like pushing my way into your play. Not the point, Si. What's your play yeah. about? Uh, it, so, it's... I've actually written it with my dad. Um, I've... He, he wrote sort of 20 pages or so, um, and I, I sort of did the rest. But it's about our... It's essentially about our family history. Hmm. Uh but it's very when the rain stops falling esque. Um, it's it's about uh, I guess interge- intergenerational trauma um, that that comes from orphans. Mm. A- and within my family, there's sort of these two generations of orphans. Um, you know, interesting. Yeah. But it goes back all the way to sort of just the, the year after World War One, then the next time zone is 1962, and then and then it comes into the, into the sort of 90s and noughties of, of how what's come before has a has affected present. Yeah. Um, sort of yeah, like the rain stops falling meets bloody yeah. a thousand years of solitude. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. It's been interesting because I've gone like, well, you know, it's it's my family history, but there's also a really interesting narrative here that's that hooks you in that has a mystery mm-hmm. to it. Have you written um, with your dad before, bud? No, no, this is the first time. First time he ever wrote anything. Really? And yeah, the first time I've written with someone specifically. Yeah. How was that process? Um. You know, it's not like when I think of it as a process, I don't, it's not so much like he, he wrote sort of a collection of scenes. Um, and I, I looked at them and go like, okay, that's, you know, but there is definitely more to this story. And I've then gone in with my, my particular style and, um, sort of created something that's a bit more wild and, and I guess theatrical. <laughs> you just filled it through full of lasers and unicorns. Did you say? I just went and just <laughs> look. There's there maybe a couple unicorn of or orgies. Two in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I think that's always yeah. really important. I I love plays with lasers, unicorns, and orgies personally. So I'm glad you managed to fit a few in in your intergenerational trauma story. <laughs> it's what people want. Give the people what they want, Simon. Give them what they yeah. want. <laughs> No, seriously, man. That sounds really, really great. What a great project to do in lockdown to connect with your old man, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's been nice. Uh, The other thing that is probably maybe, oh, not not necessarily more up your alley, but uh, years, uh, last election, I did a very, I did a Clark and Door sort of skit. Oh, Um, really? 
yeah, and it was it was a, like ScoMo had, had had booked a bus tour, but he actually wasn't using the bus to get to most of the stops in Queensland, and he was actually flying to most of the stops. Uh-huh. But he was calling it the PM's bus tour, <laughs> yeah, and he correct. got interviewed about it, and he was very so. Yeah, I created this sort of skit that was you know. You know, the front fell off very, very similar to what Clark and Dord did. Yeah. Um, and I've made a new one just last week um, about about Gladys, uh, Gladys giving up the press conferences. Great. So I'm actually going to, I'm going to put that on, put that on the social medias tonight, hopefully. Oh, great, um, dude. Yeah. Um, send me a link once you've done that, Sai, and I'll put it in the show notes so if people are listening to the pod, they can go and find it. Absolutely. That's great, man. I love that for you, and I love a bit of Clark and Dor. I think the world's a lot sadder place for not having those blokes around. Um, that was so funny yeah. and so freaking wonderful. Yeah, I think there's... I, you know, I, I appreciate what a lot of people are doing in, in I guess, the the comedy sphere the political comedy sphere but there is a sort of i guess a little empty hole there mm. um where there's that that sort of fake fake interview uh, i mean matt matt as hell do it a little bit or they do it a fair bit but it's um it's theirs yeah, is pretty it, over the top but it's it's very yes. very good um while the yes. clark and door thing was a lot more was painful for its realism Senator Collins, thanks for coming in. It's a great pleasure, thank you. This ship that was involved in the incident off Western Australia this week... Yeah, the one the front fell off? Yeah. Yeah, that's not very typical. I'd like to make that point. Well, how is it untypical? Well, there are a lot of these ships going around the world all the time and very seldom does anything like this happen. I just don't want people thinking that tankers aren't safe. Was this tanker safe? Well, I was thinking more about the other ones. The ones that are safe? Yeah, the ones the front doesn't fall off. Well, if this wasn't safe, why did it have 80,000 tonnes of oil on it? Well, I'm not saying it wasn't safe. It's just perhaps not quite as safe as some of the other ones. Why? Well, some of them are built so the front doesn't fall off at all. Well, wasn't this built so the front wouldn't fall off? Well, obviously not. How do you know? Well, because the front fell off and 20,000 tonnes of crude oil spilled into the sea caught fire. It's a bit of a giveaway. I just like to make the point that that is not normal. Well, what sort of standards uh, are these? It's kind of like, did you ever watch Utopia on yes, ABC? Yes, yes. It's that same sort of vibe where, um, and you know, the first season of the of the British Office has this too, where something's so close to real life and so absurd that it hurts your insides and it makes you laugh, but it also makes you go, "Oh God, why?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the absurdity of reality. <laughs> it's the absurdity of reality, and it there's no more absurd time I think than now. Like, honestly, mate. Like watching all these news clips this this morning, side so putting the intro for the show together, just really wrecked me, mate. I gotta tell you, it really threw me for a loop. Like, oh I, yeah, I think like honestly, the best thing, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think there's a degree to which um, ignorance is essential for surviving lockdown. I think that if you engage with the news all the time, it's going to fucking break your noodle because the world's just too wild. I think you need to engage with it to a point so you know what's going on and you're informed. I think staying informed is really important, but fuck, man. I think one of the... Like, while Gladys not doing press conferences anymore was not the right thing to do for democracy, etc., I have stopped watching them. And I think stopping watching them and stopping paying as much attention to the numbers has probably been a good thing for my brain. Where are you standing yeah. on all of that? I think 
I think that's probably right. I mean, I, I, I stopped with them, yeah, a little while back, um, because it, you know, what, once they went over one k, I was kind of like, well, that's going to be the same every day for quite a while now. That's that's just sort of where you're going to sit. So, you know, it, it was. I was watching up until the point where it was like, oh, can we get a handle on this? Can we get a handle on this? No, we have not got a handle on this. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, this snowball has rolled down the side of Everest. It is now the size of a small country. Um, yeah. This one has well and truly gotten away with it. Yeah, the horse has bolted. It has bolted. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, there was a stage where uh, I did notice there was a thing on social media where everyone was sort of, you know, guessing the number and guessing, you know, what Gladys yeah. would be wearing. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, you know, I don't think Dan's copying the same. Yeah, thing. is he going to be in his North Face puffer or his North Face bloody soft shell? But that was just a, I guess, um, a side effect of you know, so people had to find something, yeah, <laughs> um, to take out of out of that, and you go like, oh, how many, how many die, how many are spreading this. I think uh, it's just a real sign of humanity's willingness to bet on anything, you know? Like, it's mm. our innate desire to gamble on things of chance. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I do hear your point. Now, I was doing that for a while, too, but um, quickly it sort of lost its sheen. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think that, yeah, that's 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 been my, my, my experience that there comes a finite point where engaging in the news no longer ceases to be a, a good thing to do. The only good thing I was able to find out today is that our seven-day average of cases in New South Wales is actually trending down. And yeah. there is a plan to have the majority of the nation opened up for Christmas. Mm. I think we're all going to be pretty much at 80% and above vaccinations uh, across like Victoria, New South Wales, and and maybe even a couple of the other states um, by the time that happens. So, like, that that little glimmer of hope that I'll be able to spend Christmas with my family in WA is starting mm. to bring some joy to my insides, um, and that's, that's bringing my existential dread down. Um, the fascists, obviously, are, are pushing it right back up again. So, I, I reckon if I was to give myself a number, I'm probably sitting at about a six, six and a half today. Um, okay. It's a bit wavy for me, Simon, at the moment, yeah. I think. Yeah, because, yes, I think you've been given a carrot there. Um, yeah, and a uh, carrot helps, hey? Like, a yeah, little carrot yeah. is big. Yeah. I, I mean, my, my parents are in Canberra, who not as not as far, um, but I still haven't been able to see them for, for you know, much the same, you know, amount of time. Um but it is kind of like, oh yeah, that that would that would be nice. Um, I think I think not to not to you know take any bites out of your carrot. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like not to nibble your carrot, Patty. But <laughs> Mr. McGowan's a pretty 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 stern on on who gets in and out of that state. Oh like, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh, Chairman Mark. Uh, you know he really yeah. you know the Great West Australian Workers Republic is. Yes. Um, is <laughs> not going to let anybody in quickly. Um, I've been saying to Polly that we might be able to nip through Victoria or the NT um, 
to get back to WA and spend 14 days right. in one of those places. Polly's grandma's right. down in Victoria, so I'd love to go and see her in Wollongong if we can. Um, I keep saying mm. Wollongong. I keep meaning Geelong, but they're basically the same place in my mind. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, that's that's the dream side, but I just don't know if we're going to swing it. I don't, you know, And everybody's in the same boat, I guess. Like, nobody really knows what the next three months look like. I mean, nobody really knows what opening up looks like either. Um the Hamilton cast have said they're coming back to do shows and that's like yep. exciting, but also fuck, I don't know. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, uh, from what I understand is audiences will be at 75%. Um, when, when theaters open up rather than the 50, um, I mean, and you know, at, at the end of all this, at some point there, an election has to happen. Um, yeah, wow. Do you reckon SkyMo's actually going to suffer for this shit? Um, I think he's he's not going to call it until, you know, we've gotten through Christmas and people, you know, people have seen their families and are feeling a bit happier. Yeah. He'd be stupid um, to call one now, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, he won't, he won't, you know, the, he's getting drilled in the polls. Um, everyone's just, everyone's fucking very unhappy um yeah the base is unhappy and that's that's no good so yeah i think i think it'll definitely be a a post post december january situation but he's only got till may um you know may is the last like it, it it's if it's not on may 31st then then he's that's, in trouble he was in trouble well, he, he has to that's the, the bottom line election has to be called by then as in not called like that's the final date an election can be yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he pushes it back that far i mean it's going to be fascinating to see if he actually suffers any political consequences for running to wait to hawaii during the fires um not buying enough pfizer when he had the opportunity to and being on holiday when an earthquake happened it's going to be interesting to see if he actually suffers because of that because he's been fucking teflon scomo he could like He's, you know, it's almost Trumpian where he could, you know, shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and walk away with an electoral victory. It just, I just don't know if he's going to see um, a, a hit. And, you know, as we've seen, and as I keep ranting about, you know, the rise of the far right means that Palmer United, those bunch of dickless wonders and fucking One Nation, the f- conspiracy theorists incarnate, um, are going to pull a lot of votes, I reckon, this this cycle. You're going to pull a shit ton. And all of that funnels straight to straight to old mate ScoMo. So I'm not yep. optimistic. I mean, maybe that's just me being a pessimist side, but um, my insides are worried. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think after the, the last election, when it seemed so certain that, yes, that even if... You know, Labor do seem to be doing well in the polls. That's no guarantee of of, of anything. Um, and I mean, the, the Fairfax are sort of their their weird poll seems to seems to think that um, he he will get back in, um, but they have a very strange system, and it's it's contrary to the other polls. Um, but yeah, it, it is scary. I, I think. I think a, a lot of people have seen through a lot of his charades. Um, mm. Have enough? I don't know, but I think a lot of people have 
um, I think, you know, women as, as a monolith. Ah, um, uh, yes, the monolith that is women. <laughs> as, yeah, as women, you know, when we talk about um, voting sections of the public, I think they're very upset and with good reason. Um, and, you know, the wets uh, of, of those left wing liberals. Yeah. Well, no, no, this, this is the, this is the, well, I guess what they call the left yeah. of the liberal party yeah, yeah. are the wets. Um, you know, they essentially they're economic, um, neo, you know, I guess neoliberals, um, so they 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 believe in the individual and and and, and fuck society, but they like everyone. <laughs> but they like they, they like people's individual freedoms. They like people to be able to have abortions and and people to marry whoever they want. Sure, yeah. Um, um, those people, you know, might consider going. Oh well, you know what? There's a bit too many crazies over in the dries. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll give Labour a go just to sort of steady the ship. Yeah, um, or try something different after we've had so many years of Conservatives in charge. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, bud. But yeah, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, Si. Um, mate, uh, what about, Simon, just quickly, because I've got about mm. 15 minutes with you left, my friend, maybe a little less, but I wanted to pick your brain for a couple of things that you've been reading or watching or doing that have been uh, easing your existential dread. I know you've given us a great YouTube recommendation straight off the bat, but I wondered if you've been uh, got any shows, pods, books, etc., that have been rocking your casbah in lockdown. Mm. Um. God, I'm 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 finally finishing The Sopranos. Oh, that's yes. Or any partnership for that matter is a give and a take. We are a family, so we're gonna deal with this as a family. Yes. That's that's oh, my. You got no fucking idea. <laughs> you know, like where are you at? A while. I am. I'm like episode four, season six. You know, I'm I'm in the home stretch. He's a big yeah, boy. Yeah. Yes, he's a big boy. Um. Yeah, it kind of breaks my heart because I go like, oh, you know, this was a real, this was real health concerns that, mm, you know. True, actually. Uh, led to his untimely end. Um, and what an like, incredible I, you know, fucking performance, hey, Sai. Oh, you know, yeah, masterful. You know, when, when it's, it's not until you kind of, you know, he completely inhabits that character and it's not until you sort of see him outside of that character that, I mean, you realize it when you're watching it because you don't disbelieve anything. You go, this is, this is really real. Um, but then you actually see him speaking normally, um, without the accent and without the mannerisms. And you're like, holy shit, you, you are actually not, you're not actually that much like this guy at all. I mean, obviously there are parts, there are parts that he imbues into that character. Um, but you go like, yo, you're not, you're not this aggressive narcissist. You're a really well-spoken, humble, humble guy, um, which just makes this performance. Although you know that's transformative acting, not about sort of putting on silly hats and wigs. It's um, just being completely truthful to to that character, mm-hmm. and, and not not making a caricature of anything. Just yeah, 
you know, a wonderful experience having to have that. Um, and it's heartbreaking that, you know, he didn't get to make that all that much afterwards. Mm. Um, but there are a few little gems that he did afterward. Uh, he, he, did you know as well that, that Sal, you know, the nightclub owner is the guitarist from Bruce Springsteen's band. And that the guys, absolutely, yeah, the guys who fucking cast the Sopranos saw the saw the Bruce Springsteen playing a gig, saw Steve Van Zandt, and were like, "He's the guy," and he would only yep. do it if his wife, his wife would only let him do it if he never had any female counterparts on the show. So Sal's the only one who doesn't take a mistress on the show because of a requirement put in by Steve Van Zandt's wife powerful stuff yeah. across the board i mean being bruce springsteen's guitarist and having like six seasons on one of the greatest shows ever made like that's that's a full life from steve i salute that bloke oh, oh amazing and you know he's, he's, a, he's a he's a pretty good guitarist yeah and he's um, a pretty good actor too um mate great so yeah. sopranos has been rocking your box anything else simon that's been giving yeah. you some joy um I'm 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 going in a I guess a real Stephen King dive at the Ooh. moment. Um, like I've always loved always loved Stephen King. Um, I'm watching a couple of shows at the moment, uh, Castle Rock, which is not it's not a book written by him, but it's it's a place from his universe that someone's decided to make a show about, and he's huh. going, oh yeah, do it. Um, and then the oh the Outsider, which I watched. Um, I saw some ads for that. Yeah, that's really great. Really great self-contained season. Um, Yeah, that that's some good stuff. And then yeah, I'm I've been reading, getting back into into the into the books. Oh yeah, Chapelway. That's the one other one I'm watching. Chapelway. So that's Chapelway. Yeah. So it's on Stan. Dear cousin Charles. By the time you receive this letter, I shall be in my final resting place. I bequeath you a magnificent ancestral home we call Chapelweight. What do you think? I hardly know what to say myself. It's got, um... Ah, uh, no, I can't remember his name. Um, from, from the pianist in King Kong. Um, Adrian Brody. Um, he's in it. Um, it's, it's really gothic and great. It's based on a short story called Jerusalem's Lot, which is the forebearer of Salem's Lot. Oh. Um, I really love, what I love about Stephen King is that he, he has a universe and everything sort of exists within it. Yeah. Um, and I, I try and put that into my, my playwriting. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So like every, every bit of my, all of my plays are connected in some way. Interesting. Where it'd be minor. But I, I just... The way Stephen King does it just makes me so happy. It's yeah. just like these little Easter eggs or whatever that just go like, oh, that's connected to this and da-da-da-da. And, you know, but there's still the story is self-contained. I remember feeling like that reading The Dark Tower. Like, the Dark Tower series mm. blew my freaking noodle apart. I was reading Game of Thrones. This is like five years ago now. And I was talking to a mate about it. And I was saying how much I was loving it. And he was like, yeah, it's good. It's not as good as The Dark Tower, though. And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, man, the Dark Tower is the business. And so I was like, what are you talking about? I never heard of it. And I went and read the first book. 
about the gunslinger crossing the plains. Yep. And I was instantly mm-hmm. hooked. And then you get into like, it's actually been very inspirational for me, that series, because it, it's this really wonderful mix of fantasy wow. and sci-fi and natural and like realism. It all sort of blends in. And, and Stephen just like takes a whole swathe of rules and just breaks them and makes his own thing out of it. And it gets super meta in the middle. But in one of the books, they just do Seven Samurai. He's just like, right, we're doing Seven Samurai. And you're like, what? We're doing Seven Samurai? He's like, yeah, this is, this is, this book, like you suddenly realize about like, you know, 15, maybe a a a couple of chapters in, I just sat there and looked up and being like, we're doing Seven Samurai. Okay, we're doing Seven Samurai. And I love that idea of just taking a, a well-established concept, a thing that, people have run into whether it be magnificent seven and seven samurai or whatever you know and taking a concept like that and being like okay here we go got bad guys outside of town we got a town that's not prepared for it we've got a short period of time they're coming back what does the party do what does the group do and i um i've brought that a lot into like some writing that i've done into like D as well like just taking a, a concept for a whole established story and whacking it somewhere else and being like let's play in this space um I think that's so fun, you know? Oh, as you say, like, that, yeah, that's, um, it's a good way to be because it's kind of, you ask yourself, what do I like? <laughs> oh, you know, I like these things and maybe someone else will too, but, you know, I'm going to put all the things that I like into one thing. thing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put all the stuff that I like for in this bit and we'll see if people dig it. And if they don't, that's fine, but I like it, so <laughs> I'm going to do it, <laughs> and hopefully it brings some other people some joy, I don't know, maybe it's a very selfish way of writing, but that's just, that's brought, brought me some, some joy, Si. Um, my friend, so nice to chat to you, bud. I'm sort of running out of time with you here, and I wondered if you had any final thoughts, Simon, any final bits and pieces or nuggets of gold or things you wanted to promote before I let you uh, run off into the ether and enjoy the rest of your day? I don't know. Well, I guess what I always tell everyone when I'm getting really deep and philosophical is nobody knows what they're doing, so it's okay. Um, not your parents, not the government, because no one has ever no one has ever experienced this before, so no one knows what they're doing. Um, you can't because inherently you've never been the age you are. So how do you know? Yeah, dude. I love that. I think that's such a great thing to fucking remember. Oh, my God. (laughs) Nobody knows what they're doing, folks. Everyone's just making it up as they go along and trying to do the best they fucking can. I think that's a beautiful message to fucking sign out on. Thanks so much for joining me, Si. I really love to catch up with you, man. And I hope I see you actually for a beer in reality in in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, And we definitely will. Yay, I love that for us. <laughs> See you later, big man. Thanks for the chat. See you. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. B 
big thanks to Simon Thompson for joining us on the show. Such a great bloke and a lovely chat with him. It eased my existential dread and I hope it did the same for you, folks. Let's do some credits, shall we? Our intro music was All You Fascists by Billy Bragg and Wilco off Mermaid Avenue 2000 Nonesuch Records. We had news clips today from Channel 9, Channel 7, ABC Australia, BBC and MSNBC, all dated the 23rd of September 2021. We also had clips from Faulty Towers, BBC 1975, CNBC News from the 21st of September 2021, The Honest Guys and GBASMR, you can find them both on YouTube, Give the People What They Want by the OJs off Survival, Philadelphia International Records 1975. We also had some clips from Clark and Door from the ABC 1991, the official anthem of the Soviet Union, the 1984 version, The Sopranos 1998 and Chapelweight 2021, which is Epic Pictures. Sopranos, of course, is property of HBO. And if you haven't watched that show, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Um, turn it on, folks. Get binge, get on The Sopranos, make it happen. Our backing track today is this lovely jam, Acid Trumpet by Kevin MacLeod of Groovy 2016. He, of course, makes music at Incompetech.com. It's all royalty-free and all bloody fantastic, so check it out. All clips and music in this show is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. You can check out the website for details. The Isocast is created, edited, presented, and produced by me, Patrick Cullen, at Ginger Snap Productions. You can get in touch with us at GingerSnapSydney, all one word, at gmail.com. If you can, please like, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, tell a friend about this podcast, put it on your social media, bloody get it out there, do us a favour. We will be back next week with a brand new episode and a brand new chat. And in the meantime, here's something new to take us out. Just because of how I'm feeling at the moment, this song really spoke to me and I hope it does to you too. To take us out, here is Frenzel Rom with Mummy Doesn't Know You're a Nazi off Smoko at the Pet Food Factory, 2001 Fat Wreck Records. Please send this song to a fascist in your life too. Thanks everyone. Be kind to each other. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated and dig on some Frenzel. Your mommy doesn't know about the National Front She doesn't know that you're a Nazi